John chapter number 15 this morning, verse number 1. I want to finish this morning the I am statements of the Lord and what those might mean to us while you're finding your place there. I heard a a story this week of a a little kid. His mother was tucking him into bed and uh, he begged and begged that she wouldn't turn off the light. He wanted her to leave the light on and, and he said, Mom, I'm so afraid of the dark. I don't want you to shut the light off. And she reminded him and she said, uh, son, it's just you and God in here. It's going to be all right. And so she turned the light off and as she walked out the room, the little boy said, uh, God, whatever you do, just don't move. It'll scare me to death. Uh, and I'm afraid that many times we go to church with that kind of mentality and we're afraid of death. God's going to move and do something uh, in our life. And really it ought to be what we're looking forward to uh, and what we want to happen is for God to move in a way like we've never seen Him move before. And I'm fully convinced today that God's still able to do that, that God still wants to do that. And that God still can do that if we'll just open up our heart and let God do that. There's no reason to be here today. There's no reason to do what we do today. There's no reason to gather and sing and preach and get together and do all of those things if we're not expecting a move of God. And we're not expecting God to stir in our hearts. And I believe that God can do that from our text in John chapter 15. We've considered Jesus as the bread of life. We've seen Him as the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. And each of these have described and painted Jesus in this wonderful picture of who He is and has described His character and different qualities that He has. And then in John 15, we pick up where Jesus states that He is the vine. And I want you to understand where they're at while this is happening. Jesus has washed their feet. He has instituted the Lord's Supper. He has uh, warned them of the betrayal and the denial. He has told them of His death and His resurrection. He has told them that He would be leaving them and that He would be going back to be with the Father. And they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. That they're walking to the place that Jesus would pray and, 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 and blood would, would sweat out of His body. And they're walking to the place where the Roman soldiers would arrest Him and they would take Him away and where Judas would betray Him and Peter would deny Him. And they're just moments away from Calvary's cross. And Jesus reminds them, I am the vine. I, I am the vine. Whatever you remember, remember this. Jesus is the vine, and in this moment where their entire life is, is changing and everything that they know is about to go through a transition, Jesus says, remember, I am the vine. And I'd like to preach to you for just a few minutes on that in our text. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be 
full. As we consider this story, there are just four things that I would like you to see from it this morning. Number one, the positions that Jesus mentioned. Jesus right off the bat said, I am the vine. That the vine is the source of life. It is that which sustains life. It is that which gives strength. It is that which gives everything that is needed in order for fruit to be produced. The vine can survive without branches, but branches cannot survive without the vine. And Jesus is saying, I am the source of life. I am the life giver. I am the only source that there is for you to have life today. It is the only place. Life does not come from religion. Life does not come from philosophy. Life does not come from church. Life does not come from anything that man can offer. There is one source of this life and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the vine. I am the only one. I'm the only way and the only place where you can find life and have it sustained. But then he talks about the husbandman. The term refers to the gardener, the, the one who would dress the garden, who, who even might possibly own the garden in this case. And he says that's the father. God the Father owns it all, doesn't He? God the Father is the one that cultivates it and prepares it and gets ready for the harvest that is going to come. He is in complete control. But then, the third position that He shares are the branches. And He said, you're the branches. He's talking to, to His followers, His disciples. He said, I'm the life giver. God the Father is the husbandman. But here's where you are. You are the branches. You are that part which the vine has delegated to bring forth the fruit that it and only it can provide. And Jesus is saying that's what you are as believer. We are the branches. We depend on Him completely for everything that we have. We are to depend on Him completely for everything that we have and that we're going to do without Him we are totally lifeless. Without Him, we have absolutely nothing to offer. And the only good that will ever come from our life is through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He does in us. And so He shares the positions, but then the second thing we see from this text is the plan. One word that you will read at least six times in the verses that we read is fruit. Over and over again, the Lord talks about fruit. And any time that, that a speaker would use the same word, He is obviously emphasizing the importance of that word. And what Jesus is saying is, here is my plan for you as branches. It is that you would be fruitful. It is that there would be something in your life that comes forth as a result of being plugged into the vine. And that is what God wants from our life, is He wants our life to be fruitful for Him. You say, well, what's the fruit? What does that mean? I got to thinking about what it, what fruit implies. What, what does it imply that Jesus said, I want you to bear not just some fruit, but I want you to bear more fruit, much fruit, and remaining fruit. What does all of that imply? Anyways, number one, it implies this. Fruit is productive. For fruit implies that we are to be productive. God did not save us to go to church every now and then. God did not save us to, to hold down a pew. God did not save us just to, to claim a name. But God saved us and left us here so that we can do something and so that He can do something in us and through us and so that He can have a work that is going on through a church but in our individual lives. He wants us to be productive and growing and getting closer to Him and becoming more like Him in every way that we can. I would ask you this morning, what is God doing in your life? You look at your heart. Is there anything that God is working on in your heart? If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I don't really think that God's put anything on my heart in the last three weeks. I would say that something's wrong there. 
You would say, God, there's nothing that God has shown me that He wants me to do different. I'm perfect. I have everything together and I'm the standard of Christianity and everybody should be like me. If that's your idea this morning, then you have missed the mark, alright? You have missed the purpose of it. God is constantly working on us and growing us and producing things in us. And one of the saddest things that there is is when a Christian reaches a place of complacency and there is no growth and there is no productivity anymore and there is no advancement and they have just become stagnant in that position that they're in. Fruit implies that there is growth in our life and that we're getting, we're getting closer and we're getting stronger and we're doing more for the Lord Jesus. But you know, fruit also implies that we are to be reflective. You know, if you were to take me out to the woods today or you were to take me to a vineyard or an orchard, anywhere where, where trees are planted and you were to say, Levi, I want you to identify this tree by the bark that's on it or the, the texture of the leaves. I took forestry at Gary High School. I took forestry so I didn't have to take art, all right? I didn't take forestry to learn anything. I took forestry to avoid a different class. While I was there, I did learn that a pine tree is the one with acorns on it, all right? But uh, that's neither here nor there. But I, I think about, I didn't learn, I don't remember any of those things. But if you were to take me out to that tree and you were to say, identify what kind of tree and here's the fruit, I could tell you what kind of tree that is because the fruit is reflective of the nature and the character of the tree. And that's what God wants from our life is that we be reflective of the nature and the character of the tree and that's Jesus and that's our whole purpose of being here today is so that when people see our fruit not they say wow what a lovely branch but no they say wow what a lovely tree that is it's all about Jesus and what he can do and what he has done and the entire purpose of my life is to reflect his glory I mean that's why I'm here today is so that God can shine his glory down and it can hit me and it can go out to you. That's the only reason that I exist. I'm not here for me. I'm not, I'm not here for my life. God didn't leave me here so that I could get the fullness of planet earth, but so rather that I could be reflective to those that are out in this world, that they might see Jesus in some way, that they might hear about Jesus and that they might look at our lives and they would see, wow, look at what God has done in their life. Look at what God is doing in their life. Look at all that God has brought together and only God has done that. And He gets all of the honor and all of the glory. Fruit implies that we're to be reflective, but it also implies this, that we're to be effective. You know, you go up to a tree, somebody plants, Brother Ronnie plants a, a small little garden over there by Timpson High School and, and does all of that. And you know, a lot of that he puts up in his house, but do you know who else gets a blessing from that? Other people. It is effective. Listen, uh, Brother Ronnie doesn't plant a squash plant so that the squash can have squash, all right? That's not the objective there. The, the plan is that that plant, that tree, that object might benefit others around it in some way at all. I heard somebody say the other day, you know the only fruit that eats itself is rotten fruit? And I think sometimes that's what we have to offer as Christians. We're all about consuming for ourselves and what we can get. But what God is doing in our life is so that others may be blessed in some way. The fruit that God wants to bring forth in your life is not just for you, it's for His glory, but for the benefit of other people in some way as well, so that they can take that and it can be a blessing to them, hey, I like to hang out around a blackberry bush. You know that? Because I like what I get when I'm around a blackberry bush. And I, I like to be around a peach tree because I like how it makes me feel when I'm around it. Now, I don't want any business around thorns and thistles because I don't like what I get when I'm around that. But the fruit that those other trees put forth, it is a blessing to me. And I want to be around it because I like what I get when I'm around that tree and those branches. And people ought to like what they get when they're around us. When they're around us and they're in our presence, they 
They ought to think I like being around Miss Betty because she's a blessing to me every time that I get around her. Because what God's doing in her life and what God's doing in this person's life, it benefits me in some way. But unfortunately, you know how a lot of Christians are? People don't want to be around you. You know, people don't want to, because all you do is suck the life out of them and you don't give them anything. You know, you're, you're not helping them. You're not benefiting them. You're not encouraging them. All you're doing is just bringing it down. And the Lord is saying they ought to have fruit in your life so that other people, they get something from what you got. They, they get something from what God is doing in your life. Can I say this morning, if what God is doing in your life only benefits you and it doesn't benefit anybody else, I'd question whether or not God's doing that. If the only person that is benefiting from the things in your life is you, then it is doubtful that it is of God if you're the only one that's doing that. God has us here so that we can be a blessing to other people in some way. The fruit implies that we are to be effective, that we are to be a blessing to others. We look at this, you say, well, what's the fruit? What kind of fruit is it? Well, what is it that Jesus is talking about? Notice that this is a spiritual fruit. We won't read all of these texts again. But Jesus said, I spoke these things to you that you might have joy. That, that, that you may have joy. You see, the fruit that the Lord is talking about is not the physical things that we can touch and the, the physical things that we can gather and the physical things that we can put up and store for later, but it is the spiritual working of God in our life that we might have joy and the joy might remain. Y'all can get happy, but can you stay happy? Hey, there's things in the world that can give you joy, but will they keep that joy? What Jesus is giving is not just to make you happy for a moment, but it's joy that remains. And that's fruit. That, that, that's what God wants to produce in our life, is that there would be believers and that there would be branches all off of this vine and that joy would just be overflowing from every branch because they're getting it from the vine and they're receiving that from the Lord Jesus. And now in this world that we live into, that we're in, and the dark that's all around us and somebody says man I need some joy they know where to go because there's a branch that's abundant with it All right, there's a branch that has joy not because of what that branch has done but because it's in Christ and because of that it has all that it needs friend God wants you to have joy in this life we talk a lot about happiness and oh we want this to make us happy and all of these things but what God gives us is so much greater than the temporal happiness we can find in this world. You see, He gives us joy because it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. You say, why does God want you to have joy? Because when you get down and everything else is falling apart, that joy gives you a little bit of strength, doesn't it? When you look and say, I'm saved, you know, I'm going to heaven and I have Jesus in my heart and I know these things, they give me joy that nothing else can give to me. He wants to give me, He wants us to have that joy because it is reflective of Him. You know, I can look around and find people that are happy and you talk to them long enough and they'll tell you why they're happy. They got this or they got that. You find a Christian that's really happy, you know what they'll tell you? God's been good to me. And that fruit is reflective of His divine nature and character. And it points everything back to Him. He wants to give you joy because it's a blessing to other people to be around people that have joy. People are living in this world in a dark, dreadful world. People are dying and going to hell. Our culture is going in the wrong direction and things bad are happening every day. And it seems that everything that you turn on and every source that you listen to or watch is terrible news and nothing is good anymore. And I'm not saying that all of that isn't true. But wouldn't it be nice every now and then to get a little refreshment of joy from God's people every now and then? It's 
is a blessing when they see that. Everything else is down. Everything else is negative. Everybody else is in the dumps. Why not Christians have joy so that this world can see it and it will be reflective of God and it will be a blessing to them because they'll see there's somebody that even in a dark, dying world still has joy in the depths of their soul. And it's all because of the vine that they're plugged into. He wants us to have that joy, but He also wants us to have love. As you read this context, He talks about His love and how we are to love Him and how we are to love others. Can I tell you this morning that love is nothing that you possess of yourself? You say, well, I, I, can lo- I can love the way that I'm supposed to. You can love your dog by yourself and you can probably love people that are good to you. I've never been able to love a dog by myself, all right? But you, you can love a dog maybe and you can love your family and you can love those that have been good to you. But the love that Jesus has for us that He wants us to have far exceeds what we can do on our own. It is not loving my family. It is not just loving those that have been good to me. But Jesus said, I want you to love everybody. I want you to love your enemy. I want you to love the one who's hurt you. I want you to love the one that talks about you and the one that uses you. You can't do that on your own. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, I want you to love the very person that makes you want to hate them. All right, The very person that your flesh wants to hate, I want you to love that person. You say, well, preacher, I can't do that. And you're exactly right. You can't, but through the vine you can. And He'll produce that fruit in your life. You want to see a mark of a spiritual Christian, of a mature Christian? It's not the one that goes to church every Sunday. Yeah, that, that ought to be part of it. That ought to be there. It's not the one who dresses right. I mean, yeah, that ought to be part of it. You show me a Christian that's been wronged by people, still loves them, I'll show you a mature Christian. You show me a Christian that has been wronged by so many people, yet still chooses to love the very people that have hated them and wronged them in so many ways. That's the one that's really abiding in Christ. That's the one that is really attached to the vine because God is doing a supernatural work in their life that only God can do. And when you look at them, man does not have the ability to love those that don't love Him. But God can give you that. God can shed that love all in your heart abroad and can stir you up and you'll embrace His love. And before long, you know what you'll be doing? You'll be sharing His love with other people. It only lasts for so long. It can only be in there for so long until it's going to go out and you're going to give it to other people. It's part of the fruit that He gives. But notice this fruit that He talks about. It's not only spiritual, it's effectual. He talks about answered prayer. But I want you to get this. It is also a perpetual fruit. When we look at these fruit, we look at what God's doing. It's interesting when you start in verse number one. It says, or verse number two, excuse me, no fruit. And then it goes on and it talks about fruit. And then it goes on and it talks about more fruit. And then it uses the phrase much fruit. And then down in verse number 16, it uses the phrase remaining fruit. And what Jesus is saying here, He's showing the progression of production. We start out not bearing much, but then we get to where we're bearing a lot of fruit for the Lord Jesus. And that's how it's supposed to work. Is We are supposed to start here, but be here in a few years. I, I believe today that we have it backwards in Christianity. Do you know where most people have the most joy? It is the day they got saved. It is the day that they got saved. So that was the greatest day of my life. But friend, you're still saved today, all right? You ought to still have joy. If you had joy then, you ought to have more joy today. And it is supposed to go from here and get better and get better and grow more and grow more. But what happens is Christians get saved or somebody gets saved and boy, they get fired up and they they got joy unspeakable, you know, and full of glory. And they won't tell everybody and all of that. And it ain't five years and they They've joined the grouchy club, all right? And in five years, and they become like every other Christian that there is, down, bitter, mad, angry, and resentful toward everybody. But the thing that gave them joy back on day one is still true. What happened? What happened? 
Hey, if Jesus gave you joy when you got saved, you ought to be able to have joy today. Nothing's different. You say, but preacher, I've been through all this and all of these other things have happened. Life has been all these other things. We got all these different excuses about it. Listen, that joy did not come because your circumstance changed. It came because your heart changed and you got Jesus Christ that lived in your heart. And no matter what's going on in the world around you, nothing has taken that from you. And so the ability, the vine, if you're still in the vine, listen, joy didn't come from the branch. Joy didn't come from the environment around the branch. Joy came from the vine. And if you're still in the vine, it doesn't matter if it's dark, light, whatever it is outside. You can still have joy because it did not come from those things. It came from Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed about Him. And so it should be getting more and more and more. I think many times in Christianity we reach this peak. We say, well, look at all that I've done. And then you know what we do? We start to do less. We, 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 maybe we reached it in a year. Maybe we reached it in five years. I don't know. But we got there and then we started going downhill. That's not the way it's supposed to go. It's supposed to get more and more and more for the Lord until we finally see Jesus face to face one day. Listen, if you don't have joy today, if you're not serving the Lord today, if you don't have love today, it has absolutely nothing to do with the vine. It has absolutely nothing to do with the, the circumstances around. It has something to do with the connection between the branch and the vine in some way at all. Because everything comes from Him. You know, we talk a lot today, we talk a lot today, preachers in the ministry world, about people burning out. And I, I fully understand, believe me, I'm not taking away. People burn out. It happens. People burn out. But I would submit to you this morning that a lot more Christians are rusting out than they are burning out, okay? There's a lot more Christians that have become complacent doing nothing for Jesus Christ, serving Him in absolutely no way, and disregarding everything that He wants to do in their life except attending church occasionally. And they're rusting out. Our greatest problem today is not burned out Christians, it's rusted out Christians that are no longer fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not doing what He has called us to do. We have become complacent and stagnant in some way. When we're supposed to be moving forward, we have settled for going backwards and Jesus has made it as clear as he could this is supposed to be a perpetual fruit you should be growing and doing more you say well how do we get to that point look at the process and I'll try to wrap up look at what he says in verse number two every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away you know what God does God goes out there the gardener and he looks at his branches he looks at his trees and he sees those that are not bearing any fruit and we read this phrase and we read it in verse number 2 and it said He taketh away. But this very word that we're reading in this phrase, it, it, it has the definition of lifting up and raising up. It's the same word. It's used 102 times in the New Testament. The, the same Greek word. And many times it is used when they were to take up their cross. When they said, take up your bed. When they said, rise up and walk. Same word that is used. And so the meaning in this phrase is when God sees branches that are not bearing fruit, you know what God does to those branches? He lifts them up. He elevates them. They've been beaten down by the storm. They've been beaten down by the rain. The dirt and the filth of, of society, of the ground has covered them up. And what God does, the gardener, is He comes out there and He lifts that branch up and He props it up so that it can get the light from the sun that it needs so that it won't be saturated and consumed and suffocated by the things of the life. And it will be able to bring forth fruit again. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in that place where there was just no fruit in our life. We, we, we had no joy. We had no love. It was like nothing was happening in our life. And we were getting discouraged and we were getting down and, and we just didn't know what we were going to do. I'm thankful that when I was in that place, you know what the gardener did? The gardener stopped by and he reached down 
And love lifted me up. And He propped me up. And He said, you know what? you got no fruit right now, but I'm going to prop you up. All right, I'm going to put something under you. I'm going to get something so that you can get sunlight again. All right, So that you, you won't be suffocated by the filth of the world and the stress and everything else that is going on. And it wasn't long. You know what happened? I started bearing fruit again. And it was all because I got lifted up by the Lord one day. And He stopped by and He gave me what I need. I, w- I know that you want to beat yourself up. Everybody else wants to give up on you because you're not bearing fruit right now. But I want you to know the gardener sees more potential in you than what you see in yourself. All right, And the gardener, not because you're some fantastic person, because you're in the vine, all right? The only potential that you have is based on your connection to the vine. And He sees that He just got to lift you up sometimes so that He can give you what you need so that you can bear fruit again. But the other part of the process, He says those that are bearing fruit, you know what He does to those? He prunes them. He goes in there and He prunes them and He sees that they're bearing fruit. And so He takes all of these uh, the, these sucker buds and these useless things that are shooting in the wrong way or discolored leaves or spots or whatever it is that is consuming life but giving no production. You know what He does to it? He gets rid of that. He gets rid of that because all of that is going to do, it is going to take of the vitality that that branch has to produce fruit out here. And so he gets rid of that. You know what God's going to do in our life sometimes? God's going to prune us of some things, isn't he? No, but now prune, pruning in itself just sounds painful. And it is. It is when, when God says, you know what? I want you to bear much fruit for me, but you can't because you got all these other things in your life. You got all you got all this other stuff, and, and I, I see you're doing right, and you're, you're you're trying to you're trying to bear fruit, but I want you to bear more fruit. I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to bear remaining fruit. And so, what does God do? God goes in there sometimes, and God begins to take things out of our life that don't need to be there. And you know what we tend to do? We kick at that sometimes, don't we? Because I liked what I had, and God said, "All this is doing in your life." is sucking energy from you and it's given no production. All this is doing in your life is taking from what I could do. And so God begins to remove that. I wonder this morning how many people would pray and say, God, remove from my life anything that is keeping me from being everything that you want me to be. Any, not just some things, but Lord, I'm open right now. Take anything away from me that is keeping me from being everything that you want me to be. Hey, that's a hard prayer to make. That's a hard prayer to make and actually mean. But that's what God wants to do. Here, it comes down to this. Do you want at the end of your life to have remaining fruit? Much fruit? More fruit? Or do you want to be that branch that has no fruit? You want to be that branch? You were, you were there. Yeah, you looked all right. But you had no fruit. The only way for us to be productive, effective, reflective of the Lord Jesus is sometimes to be pruned. And sometimes for the Lord to come in and say, i got to get rid of these things so that I can do something in your life. You say, well, here, here's the problem, and I'll be done. The problem with all of it, why is it we bear no fruit? Why is it we got all this stuff, we got Christians not bearing fruit, preachers not bearing fruit, or whatever it may be. Jesus said this like nine times in these verses. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Over and over and over. The problem we have today is not our government. Hey, our government's got enough problems in itself. I understand that. The problem we have today is not Hollywood. You say, oh yeah, it is. And they're bad, all right? The problem today is not even social media. You say, social media is wicked and TikTok and all these other things that are going on. Do you know who chooses to absorb all of that? Do you know who chooses to let all of that into the branch and then blame it and say that it's all their fault? It's because we're abiding in everything except Jesus Christ. And then we wonder why we have no fruit. And we have all of these other things and we have plugged ourselves into them. And we are absorbing every single thing that they give. 
and taking nothing from Jesus that He wants to give to us and wonder why are we not fruitful in our life today? It is because we are not abiding in Christ. John said one time, he, over in 1 John 2.28, he said Jesus is going to come back. And the only way that we cannot be ashamed at His appearing is if we abide in Him. You know how most Christians are walking around today? This is us right here. This is us. This is most Christians. Today. You know what I can do with this? You know what I can do with this? Right? Me and Miss Betty, as powerful as we are in our thinking, we could think for the next 24 days and there would be no fruit on the end of this. We could give everything that we have to this branch and say, it's going to bear fruit. And we could pray and we could do all of those things. And no fruit would ever come out of this branch right here because it's not attached to anything that can give it life. And there are so many Christians that are walking around just like this branch right here. Oh, I'm a branch. I'm going to do something. And we're withered away just like this because we have become disattached from Jesus Christ and we have become attached to everything else. You know what Jesus says about those that don't abide in Him? They're gathered, they're cast out, they're gathered, they're thrown in the fire and they burn. He's not talking about salvation, but you know what good you know what good rotten wood is? You're not building anything out of rotten wood. It's not going to grow anything. The only thing you can do with rotten wood is just throw it in a fire because it has absolutely no value anymore. I don't know about you but I don't want to be a Christian that reaches a point where I have absolutely no value anymore. And outside of Jesus Christ, I have absolutely no value anymore. I must stay plugged into Him. I must abide in Him so that He can give me what I need so that I can be productive, effective, and reflective for Him in this life. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. All of Your blessings that You have given to us. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we, we so desperately need You in our life today. We're nothing without You. And Father, I don't know anybody's heart this morning where they're at, but I pray, Lord, that you would work on their heart, my heart, Lord, as you already have. I want to be closer to you. And Lord, I pray that this morning as, as believers, Lord, that you would help us to get to the, you would prune us, Lord, that you would remove anything from our life, Lord, that is keeping us from being everything that you want us to be, Lord. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would convict their heart. Show them outside of you there is no life. They need to get in you by placing their trust and faith in the finished work of Jesus. Lord, would you convict them and draw them to do that. Lord, we want to move from you this morning. We just give it to you. We put it in your hands and at your feet. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.